Dreadheads, this is one ad you are not going to want to skip. Psilocybin, when taken thoughtfully at sub-hallucinogenic levels, can sharpen your focus, hone your mental clarity, unleash your creativity, expand your mind, and ease your anxiety. Spread the Dread is proud to be sponsored by Schedule 35. And if you head over to Schedule35.co and use coupon code STDPOD, that's S-T-D-P-O-D, you can get 15% off your first order. Schedule 35 takes a science-backed approach to microdosing shrooms. They precisely measure out every dose, verify the age of every one of their customers, and ship discreetly. Better yet, they give you a microdosing regimen that allows you to enjoy the benefits of psilocybin without any of the hallucinogenic effects. So visit Schedule35.co today and be sure to use promo code STDPOD, that's S-T-D-P-O-D, for 15% off your first order. And welcome to episode 48 of the Spread the Dread podcast, where we're going to be covering Blanche Monnier. Monnier, it's French. It's an IER, so who knows? <laughs> uh, the confined woman of Poitiers. 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 It's French. It ends in an IERS, so who knows? I think it's Poitiers. Poitiers? Mm hmm. I'm going to say pointers a lot. Remember, I, I, t- I, I have a tongue for it, and I told you about this. My dad. Yeah, you fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> Got a tongue for French. Shut up. You filthy, beautiful whore, you. <laughs> you filthy motherfucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, the French. Yeah, you took w- some French. Uh, yeah, I took some French. I wanted to continue taking French, and my dad was like, you should take Spanish. Spanish is the language you should learn kind of shit. And I'm like, it and then I was working beneficial. my last job doing IT and what company did or what country yeah, did you, I have to, to try to fucking. France. Yeah, I tried to fucking like learn some French within a short period of time. Did not work well. All right. Well, anyway, we are going to get started in on this one. Uh, make sure you check out last week's episode, episode 47, where we discuss Javed Iqbal, the 100 Boys Killer. And I try to get Joe to medically uh, let me know if bones are actually the teeth of your body. I won't go any further than that. Check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, and of course, uh, all the episodes uh, that we've also released, if you're new to the podcast. Um, and, uh, well, let's see here. What was the last Fright Flick Fuck Mary kill we did? Oh, and in the Apocalypse. Oh, we how covered... could you forget that one so easily? I know, because, I, because we watch it pretty normally, like yeah. pretty normal rotation. Yeah. Uh, in the upcoming one, we're going to be covering Nutcracker Massacre, which is a brand new one that is on uh, Tubi right now. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had to watch yes, that did. with John. You did. you did watch it with you. Uh... you. You went through with me. But no spoilers. <laughs> That'll be out this upcoming Friday. So make sure to check that out as well. If you're new to here or if you're old to here, Joe, remind them what's the most dreadful website on the internet. Spreadthedreadpodcast.com. That's right. You go there. You're going to find links to our social media. You're going to find links to all the podcast platforms, the YouTube and BitChute, where you can watch the actual live videos of Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, as well as all of the audio uh, up on YouTube and BitChute. So make sure you go over there. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like all the videos, leave a comment, and share them and keep spreading that dread. And also on the site, you'll find links to our merchandise store where you can donate. All of that good stuff, it's, it's all right there. Yep. Trying to think. If I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. Oh, I did want to make, yeah, I want to make sure to bring up before we get into this. Uh, 
that make sure that you are leaving five stars reviews on Apple and Spotify. If you leave a five star review on Apple or Spotify, screenshot that shit. Make sure to send the screenshot over to us on Facebook or IG or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com along with your mailing address, and we will send you out some free five-star super spreader spread the dread podcast stickers. That's what I wanted to make sure to bring up. <laughs> because if you can do anything for us, dreadheads, I know that when you're watching these, you're often on the road and stuff like that. But if you're ever me- messing with your phone or your computer listening to us and you, you're not fucking operating a fucking missile going 80 miles an hour down a fucking highway, make sure that you, uh, you give us those star reviews. If you go into the YouTube, make sure that you're subscribing and liking. That helps to jump us up. That helps to get us you know, more exposure. And it helps us to spread the dread to more of the motherfuckers out there who don't know how truly fucked up this world really can be. I wrapped that up nicely. Yes, you did. All right, so now <laughs> let's press forward and spread the dread as we always do with this week's episode. Blanche Monnier. 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 The confined woman of Poitiers. There you go. Pinky's out, motherfuckers. Let's get dreadful. So we're going to start with Blanche's mother, Louise Leonai. Oh, whoa. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I got a French this time. De Marconnier. I would think. Say it again. De Marconnier. D-E-M-A-R-C-O-N-N-A-Y. Any of you French frog dreadheads out there, <laughs> feel free to spell that phonetically for us in a comment section. <laughs> she was born in Poyer in uh, 1825, the daughter of a stockbroker. At the age of 22 is where she marries Charles Emile Monnier. Obviously, this is Blanche's mother, uh, or well, father. Yeah, yeah. And, so who would go on to become the dean of the University of Poyer? Ooh, so they, a learned gentleman. I know, right? Um, they had two, tr- two children, a uh, son, Marcel. He was born in 1840, uh, 1848, and then their daughter, Blanche, a year later in 1849. Right, and, and by all accounts, Joe, uh, Louise Monnier was, was like, you know, she was like kind of a nervous, jittery, on-edge motherfucker, she, high-strung, uh, very frugal with her money. Uh, the, the word I kept finding was miserly. Now, that's an old, that's a Dickensian kind of word right there. Or Dar- like Charles Dickens type shit. Hear that about Scrooge and a Christmas carol since it is the season, motherfuckers. Uh, and she also had poor personal hygiene. One of their maids, Joe, actually stated that uh, Louise Monnier, uh, Monnier, as I told you. I know. My hick's going to come out every time. Like, that's an R there. Monnier. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. it. Uh, that, that, uh, that Louise Monnier fucking wore the same like dirty dress all the time like every day day in and day out and another one actually uh told a story of how she complained that her children marcel and blanche uh ate too much and ordered that they be served bread that was intended for the dogs so i'm this imagining is that not old, a pleasant person no i'm imagining it's that old hard ass bread but there's some mold on that motherfucker and they're like just just pick the bits off and well, I can't do yeah, a French accent. Yes. And feed that children. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Scrape the mold off, man. I've made a sandwich or two out of some moldy bread in my yeah, childhood. But it was intended for the dog. I feel like it may have been past that kind yeah. of point. Certainly for for a maid. Well, at least they're getting a shot of penicillin to the gut. True that. She's the mother. Of the sh- hard love. Yeah. The hard love is what Louise yeah, was about. Yeah, there you go. Now, you'd think they were poor. Yeah. But no, they were actually very comfortably well off. Um, they actually owned a large uh, townhouse in Poyer, a home in the countryside, and several other properties that were rented out. So Jesus. they had his income plus rental income. Right, right. Wow. Which I would have, yeah, I mean, that's that was some of the hardest things for like a poor person back then to get was like, 
properties. Yeah, you know? and, and so the, the interesting thing, uh, it, like at her death, she was worth three hundred thousand francs. So I'm not sure or what francs. that. Yeah, francs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's certainly a lot. Three hundred thousand of anything back in this time period. Yeah, that's I'm, a lot of fucking money. Go ahead and add a zero or two for that with inflation in today's shit. You know? What yeah, I'm but see, so there's like countries like my mom's like where my mom's from is like one million pesos. You know, and it's yeah, like equivalent like if, ten dollars or something. If, if the French franc back then, that's fun to say. Franc. French franc. French franc. <laughs> Maybe that's where French fries came from. <laughs> Either way, I, I mean, but if they're bringing up 300,000 of them and I mean, they're owning rental properties and they have like an extra house and stuff like that, mm-hmm. clearly it's not like on par with the Filipino piso. I know, I know. But uh, regardless, so she. she if she kicks the bucket, she's still worth a great deal of money. But right, this is still the mom we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about the mom. Yeah, yeah. She she ain't kicked the bucket. Yeah, believe me, she the she madame. plays a pivotal role in this this uh, this story. Yeah. So Madame, um, the mother, she actually dominated her husband and her son. But when it came to Blanche, uh, Blanche it was completely different. So you're doing all she, those fancy pronunciations, and now you're like Blanche. I know. Like, I know. I got. Blanche. I think that was actually part of the cold getting caught on my nose. But regardless, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, Blanche. Blanche was you more <laughs> you're right god damn it i'm gonna stop you snooty fuck i know i know tuck your pinkies in i know pinkies like out bitch <laughs> yeah yeah so uh blanche was actually more rebellious and was very you know she was willing to challenge her mother's oh, yeah. rules um and they clashed frequently argued uh all the time um, and it actually grew in frequency as she, you know, became a young woman. Right. Now, to back it up a little bit about Blanche. Now, she was born on March 1st of 1849. And it, it, apart from the, her, how eccentric her mother was, uh, she, you know, she had a, a fairly good childhood. Again, they, they were well off. So even though there was frugality, I mean, they had vacation homes and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm sure that when uh, Madame <laughs> Louise would allow some spending going on, it was probably pretty good. Uh, as she grew older, she uh, she actually got more interested in religion. Now, again, we're talking about Blanche now. Uh, for a time, she studied at the Christian Union. No idea what that is, but that's what they that's what they said on the, uh, all the stories I read. I guess that's where she learned she wanted to be a nun. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> decided she wanted to. Yeah, maybe it was uh, kind of a, like a nunnery school or like a Catholic school or something. But yeah, she she wanted to become a nun. Uh, it was also during this time that Blanche began to have mystical experiences. Now, this uh, like would cause her to like want to isolate herself from others and she would actually spend like a lot of time in her bedroom she would also joe refuse to eat uh kind of like a religious fast she was very into fasting and stuff like this uh but this actually became more serious to the point where she actually developed anorexia and in 1872 joe at the age of 23 blanche actually got ill with a fever and ended up having to you know Actually, like on bed, bed rest, rest and stuff yeah. like that, you know. But the the illness did eventually pass. Yeah. So Blanche was actually renowned for her beauty and attracted many potential suitors. Um, obviously, so in eighteen seventy four, at the age of twenty five, she decided to marry a an older lawyer who was not to her mother's liking. I doubt anybody would have been to Madame Monnier's fucking likings. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Because oh, I'm about to say, it, oh, he, if they're well off, and she would have been How well quaint. off marrying that an attorney or a lawyer, especially for that period of time, her mother and father should have been like, fuck yeah, get her gone. Um, Now, her mother argued that her daughter could not marry a penniless lawyer. Now, just to bring that, because she's saying penniless, you you know, we we think about lawyers nowadays, most of them are successful, they they make pretty good money, but I mean, it wasn't quite as hard, you know, 
and I'm going solely based off of stuff like watching about like, you know, the Americans, you know, revolution and stuff mm-hmm. like that. A lot of the founding fathers were lawyers and stuff yeah. like that, but they also ran farms. They weren't particularly well off, but I don't know what well off uh, in that times meant. And of course, this is also coming from Louis Monnier, who, again, they've got a big house. They've got vacation houses. Mm-hmm. They've got rental property. So, I mean, someone so- making a decent living as a lawyer would still look, you know, kind of, you know, beneath yeah. someone like her who held herself in such high regard. Yeah, I would. I Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you then there. Um, so... What's interesting is that she planned to to actually marry the lawyer, even despite her mom's disapproval. And this is actually what dis, uh, leads to her disappearing for the next 25 years. Oh, yeah. Buckle in, bitches. It's about to get real dreadful. So now, obviously, we know that Blanche's mother, you know, was not going to fucking allow this. And, you know, she was very angry with Blanche's defiance and ended up locking Blanche in a tart, a tiny dark tark. A tiny, <laughs> tiny dark, yeah. yeah, tiny dark room in the attic of their home where she kept her secluded Joe for twenty five so years. Up. Now, yeah. now, Louise uh, and Blanche's brother, remember Marcel, he's in play on this. Uh, they continued on with their daily lives, pretending to actually mourn Blanche's disappearance. <laughs> so they're telling everyone she's disappeared. They're you know wearing black and all that stuff as you did back then when like you like dressed in black for like fucking years in mourning of like, especially like if it was like a husband or wife or a child or some yeah. shit like that. So they're, they're carrying on with all the theatrics of it. And Marcel's going right along with it. Uh, now, none of Blanche's friends, Joe, knew where she was. Um, and the lawyer, by the way, that Blanche had planned to marry, uh, died unexpectedly in 1885. That yeah. sounds, I mean, again, we're talking about a family. They've got some money on them. Yeah. And Louise is obviously a vindictive C word. Yeah. I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Cunt. You know, <laughs> okay. Capital C yeah, on that one. Yeah, I'm say capital. Yeah. Absolutely. Old rotten twat Louise over there being a fucking asshole. So who knows if he met his untimely end due by some, you know, some interference on them. Uh, I mean, there's a possibility of it. She is a crazy fucking cunt up, this, up to this point even. But per her family and various doctors and caretakers, uh, Blanche was suffering from serious mental health issues before she was actually locked away. Um, they claimed that she refused to wear clothes in the house and it would stand naked at the window of their bedroom um, and like visible from the street right, below. Right, yeah, so people passing by could see this old naked crazy chick up in there. And again, we, they're, they're, you know, you're going to see there's 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 doctors and people still coming in, apparently. And we, they, we, we have reports of Blanche getting really into her religion, you know, experiencing all kind of mystical shit, you know, possibly some kind of possession or something. There's some some real religious zealotry going on. So, yeah. You know, and I was about to say, and mental illness obviously was kind of treated that way. You kind of locked away, you know, you're the retarded kids. And if somebody lost their shit, you stuck them in an asylum or you right. kept them boarded away until they passed away. Yep. Um, but yeah, regardless, um, you know, it, the, it, the room was dark, you know, they ended up boarding up the window. So the room is dark. It's prison like, um, and that's even where the police find her. That's how they yeah. find her. They found her. Yeah. They find her in that room. Now the Moniers decided against sending Blanche to a hospital or asylum. Again, now they're well off. Mm-hmm. If you were well off back then, you had the choice. You could kind of keep it your dirty little secret in your house, or you, yeah. you certainly had the money to have maids or nannies and stuff like that to kind of handle it for you, mm-hmm. you know, basically. Uh, 
They may have kept her at the house uh, because they were fearful of the stigma. Again, attached with mental illness in that day. A lot of the times, if you had a family member that was mentally ill or something like that, they just assumed the whole family was fucked up. Yeah, yeah. They they, even back then, although we know now that like a lot of mental illness can be hereditary. Yeah. uh, Back then, they just fucking assumed a whole lot of them were fucked up, you know, and stuff like that. And it was a stigma that they you would carry around back then as fucked up as that is, you know, to say, uh, or perhaps show they believe that, that she would be better cared for at the home. Uh, Again, we're, we're talking about the mid 1800s. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, he yeah. said, she two said, two or bullshit. three, two or three orderlies to like, you know, 20, 30 patients back then. So well, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, regardless of the reason, uh, once it was made, you know, once they decided on this, they, they didn't go back. Now, Marcel Monnier said that after his father's death in 1882, um, and in spite of Marcel's, uh, or sorry, in spite of his father's, uh, repeated saying like, this is not right. This is yada yada. We're just protesting the right. shit going yeah, down. But again, we've already, we've already established, you know, Louise wears the fucking pants. Yeah. I don't know what's French for pants. I know Spanish is pantaloons, which is just such a susical sounding word. I love the word pantaloons. <laughs> they get all the cool ones. Bicicleta is way cooler than bicycle. <laughs> And that's the extent of my Spanish knowledge, so I'm going to move well, on yeah. here. Um, but yeah, yeah, Louise wasn't hearing it. Uh, it. It certainly wasn't hearing about her putting her in the hospital or anything like that. Even you know, even with that being like his dying wish, still wouldn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So when Blanche uh, first fell ill, the Moniers uh, hired a nurse, Marie F- Fezzi. Um, Fazi, Fazil. Fazi, I don't know. F A Z Y. So in, in in English. Anglish. That's that's phasey. Phasey, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, they hired her to actually look after Blanche. But according to like the trial transcript, she was either a devoted carer and the only person who would calm Blanche or a drunkard. So Marie was... 1800s France. They, they still drink wine a lot now. I mean, that, that's obviously the fucking xenophobic way to look at them. Uh, yeah. But I think of France, I'm like, oh, the Eiffel Tower, wine, bread, baguettes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Various other liqueurs. <laughs> uh, so Marie was Blanche's companion for over 20 years, even sleeping in the same room with her, which I find is disgusting when you find out a little oh, bit later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that lends credence to uh, to, to Marie Fazy being a fucking drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Blanche's condition deteriorated further after Marie's death in 1896. Now, until her discovery in 1901, Blanche was under the care of three family doctors. Dr. Guerneo, Guerneo, G U. There's an E with like an apostrophe above it. R I N. I think that's an accent. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure it would sound beautiful if we could pronounce it. I know, right? right? <laughs> would have been the one to make the initial diagnosis when Blanche fell ill when she was just a young woman. After his death in 1882, a Dr. Cheddar Verne. It's took- like Cheddar and. Vern, Vern <laughs> um, took over as the family's practitioner. In a statement to the court, he claimed that the last time he had seen Blanche was around 1896. Which was about five years before she was found, by yeah. the way. She wasn't found until 1901. Yeah, so when she would have been already 47 years old. Ooh. Yeah. So in, in 1897, a third doctor, Dr. Chiron, became Blanche's mother's doctor. Not only had he never seen Blanche, he actually wasn't even aware that she had a daughter. So right. this so, further, yeah. just like, okay, so after, it seems like that first, or that last like five-ish years is where right. she had the most neglect going on because people were dying off. Right, right. And, and But regardless of this, Blanche's two previous physicians both agreed that she was actually incurably mad. 
So on May 23rd, 1901, the secret is actually finally fucking revealed via an anonymous letter that was delivered to the Paris attor- the Paris's uh, t- attorney general stating, quote, Monsieur Attorney General, I have the honor to inform you of an exceptionally serious occurrence. I speak of a spinster who is locked up in Madame Monnier's house, half starved and living on a putrid litter for the past 25 years, in a word, in her own filth, end quote. Yeah, I don't know why he said it was my honor, but maybe that was just the way they did things back then. Now, uh, police in Poitiers, I still, I still wanted to say Poitiers, everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, guys. Uh, they were alerted. Uh, sorry, when they were alerted. Uh, they went to the home of uh, Louise Monnier, uh, who was named specifically in the letter, and they wanted, you know, they demanded to see her daughter Blanche. Yeah. Uh, after she put up some resistance, she finally let them upstairs to Blanche's locked room. Now, as the police officers uh, forced their way into the room, the first thing that you know got to them was the smell. It was an overpowering stench, Joe, of feces and rotting meat, and through the darkness. They saw 52-year-old Blanche, mm. and she was on a straw mattress just laying on the floor. Yeah, they said she looked like a living skeleton, naked except for the dirty bed sheet, and it's actually part of the image for this, uh, yeah, for yeah. this episode. Yeah, that is the legit image, basically, that they took upon, you know, Get, getting into the room. Yeah, yeah, as, as evidence. Um, so, yeah, she's naked except for the dirty bed with black hair grown down to her thighs and long curved nails and toenails. And surrounding her was the old food, excrement, insects, and also vermin. Uh, one policeman described the state of Monnier and her bed saying... Quote, the unfortunate woman was lying completely naked on a rotten straw mattress. All around her was f- formed a cr- uh, some sort of crust made from it excrement, fragments of meat, vegetables, fish, and rotten bread. We also saw oyster shells and bugs running across Mademoiselle Monnier's bed. The air was so unbreathable. The odor given off by the room was so rank that it was impossible for us to stay any longer to proceed with our investigation. Yeah, yeah. So they had to to bounce for a second, compose themselves, and let their fucking shirts air out and their, (laughs) you know, fucking go... Take a buzzer up their nostrils, get that nose hair out of there that's got all that, that shit clinging to it. Now, when they went back in, uh, they then noticed that the windows in that room had been boarded shut. The police removed the boards, letting in light and some fresh air into the room. And that, Joe, was actually the first sunlight that Blanche had seen in a quarter of a century. That's again, now, man. from the police report, quote, We immediately gave the order to open the casement window. This was done with great difficulty. The old dark curtains fell a heavy shower of dust. That's very poetically put as well. Remember, I'm in the middle of the quote here. (laughs) To open the shutters, it was necessary to remove them from their hinges. Uh, Joe Blanche was taken to a hospital, obviously, and her mother, Louise, and her brother, Marcel, who were still living at the house at the time, were arrested. Yeah, so when Blanche was taken to the hospital, the doctors actually worried she might die because she was so underweight for her age. <sighs> they gave her a bath and began feeding her. Now, she com- or Blanche commented on how wonderful it was to be clean again and to eat and no longer be imprisoned. Jesus so Christ, she, man. Yeah, so she spent so I much... I couldn't imagine that. 25 fucking years. Yeah, I know. And it's again- no goddamn sunlight, not being able to move. And right. just laying there and fucking. Well, and it's filth. not like, and again, we, as we've as we've announced before, episode fifty is going to be the final parts of tortures and executions, and then the next series that we're going to start up is world's worst parents. Yeah. This would have made that 
Uh, but believe me, there's plenty of other ones to cover out there. But it's it, this is different, and not that this excuses it, but you're, there's a lot of parents who have done this kind of shit to kids. Uh, but sometimes it's done from birth to where they kind of don't even know any better. Like, the family's always been real fucked up yeah. from that jump. But, I mean, you're talking about someone who was 51. Was it 51 or 52? Hold on, let me She scroll. was 52. 52. So that makes so her brother 27 yeah. when they locked her up. She is very aware of the outside world. She's very aware of everything she's mm. missing and yeah. everything that has been taken away from her. I, I, dude, I would have went fucking mad. Oh, God. It, I would have really I, went fucking mad. Like, no wonder they're like, yeah, she's mad. All right. Well, fuck yeah. How long was she locked up in there, deprived of all that shit before even a doctor saw her for the first fucking time? I know. I'm talking about the times they saw her. You know, we had talked earlier about when she was having her anorexia problems and stuff like that and first started having the religious shit. That was before she was locked up. It wasn't until she was going to marry this fucking lawyer yeah. that Luis decided to fucking do this kind of shit. And probably use the, the mental illness as a guise. Right. Well, yeah, well, yeah, there's a history of it yeah. and stuff like that. But I mean, again, I just don't I, know how you can do that to your own kid. Dude. I mean, another human being, you know, in general, but like your own kid. I can't understand that. Absolutely. Blanche spent so much time in the dark, Joe. That she had to like reacclimate yeah. to actually having sunlight. I would imagine like your I, eyes, yeah, yeah. your skin. I mean everything. Right, yeah. Jesus. Uh, Blanche's mother, Louise, uh, would actually Joe here. Let's just to make it even more fucking dreadful, <laughs> yeah. dreadheads. This bitch, Louise, never. Or, or, I don't know French, la bitch, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, la cunt. Uh, would never. That's actually a sweet name, la cunt. Uh, anyway, uh, would never have her day in court as she died just a mere fifteen days. After she was arrested for this heinous shit. But at least her brother Marcel Joe would have to have his day in court. Let's see if that worked out any <laughs> yeah. better. Yeah, so his trial, um, it was for his complicity, um, began on October 7th of 1901 and lasted only five days. Uh, many people who had worked in the Monier family home over the years ended up testifying at the trial. They were asked about Blanche's condition, you know, cleanliness of her room and her ability to move around the home even. And their testimonies painted a different picture than what had been told in the press. Right, so first, Blanche's presence wasn't as wasn't a secret uh, as everyone who worked for the Monnier family knew that Blanche was there and again that she was ill but do they know she's ill or is that what they're being told or is she really fucking acting like a fucking caged animal because in fact that is now what she is yeah so um second she wasn't actually locked in her room throughout her confinement she was actually able to visit other parts of the house and had continued to play piano for a period of time right and again we have to remember too this is early 1900s you're talking about maids mm -hmm. servants things like that these are uh, back then you almost had a field tea to, I think I said field T. Field T. Yeah. You know, almost like a, a, a you you kind of knew you had to fucking play your fucking role. We have that shit now in our fucking jobs. You know who's in fucking charge. And if you can't just afford to lose that fucking job, you're going to do say as you're some told. shit you need to say and do some shit you need to do to keep that fucking job. Yeah. So again, if some of these people were still employed by the Monier family, at the time of their testimony, who knows how valid it actually was. Exactly, yeah. So third, a great many people swore that for the, the 20 years that Marie Fazzi carried for, uh, cared for Blanche, she was actually washed and her room was kept clean and orderly. Right, so there goes another one where there, there's, there's another aspect to it of, because again, out, again, out of the 20 of 25 years, she, her testimony again, 
she had someone taking care of her. Mm -hmm. But it still suggests that Luis and Marcel were not really doing it. It was still falling on someone else, even though they had decided, hey, she's too ill to be around others. Uh, but again, maybe if Marie Fazy hadn't died yeah. and we got her testimony, who knows? Exactly. She's the one out of everybody that at least all parties agree she spent the most time with Blanche during one -on -one, this 25-year yeah. ordeal. Again, even if doctors are visiting, who knows? They may have done a little bit of cleaning. I mean, we, we, you see the tales with abusive parents who kind of know when, like, social services is going to come over or stuff yeah. like that. They'll clean the house up. They'll make sure that there's no fucking alcohol laying all over the place or drugs or shit like that or mm -hmm. that the kids are cleaned and the clothes are washed and shit like that. Just so, so who knows if every time they knew these doctors were coming over, maybe they did straighten up a little bit, put on a little bit of fucking airs, airs and shit. Yeah. And that's what really sucks is that Marie Fazy was never going to be able to give an actual firsthand account of a day in, day yeah. out of how this went yeah. down with Blanche. But at least with these testimonies, um, they actually also confirmed Blanche being a very sick woman who would soil herself, rip her clothes off, and even destroy shit around the, you know, around the house and her room and furniture in her, you know, violent rages. And the court heard from a joiner who had been re uh, repeatedly to the house over the years to actually repair items in Blanche's room, including the door. Yeah, now Blanche would not have been an easy patient to care for if, if this all of this is true. So let's assume yeah. all of this that they're saying is 100% true. That's a fucking ordeal of a person to put up with. Yeah. If it really is as bad as And it doesn't make saying. sense because, you know, they're speculating that when, you know, her principal caretaker, Marie Fazi, actually died, that, you know, five years earlier, that's actually where the decline, right. um, you know, the decline yep. in her treatment was. It's kind of suggesting that Marie was the only one who could kind of control her and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But again, it does show a lack of, of real involvement from Louise. And Marcel, her because mother. they're living yeah. there too. Now, by the time Marie Fazy died, uh, Louise, Blanche's mother, seemed to kind of, have, at that point, given up. All right, again, let's assume that it's everything is as they said. It's been two decades of dealing with her constantly destroying things, throwing fits, walking around naked, soiling herself, breaking shit and stuff like that. Uh, and you had someone who was able to kind of wrangle her in from what they're talking about, even though she was still doing this stuff while Marie was there to a certain point. Mm. Um, so yeah, she just, Louise, again, not defending her, but there she goes, trying to play devil's advocate, basically. I know, I know. So at yeah. that point, you know, she was done with it, and her husband had actually died 14 years earlier. Uh, but now- So she has even less help at that point. Right, yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, you're going to see here in a few that no, some people didn't have the best of things to say about Marcel as, as a human being either. Uh, instead of replacing Marie Fazy with another nurse, Louise actually used a, as you know an assortment of untrained younger women who were completely incapable of managing someone with this many needs. Yeah, they were even expected to sleep in her fucking bedroom, which drove many of them to end up quitting after only a very short period of time. Yeah, which would suggest that the room was somewhat gross, even while Marie was there. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the time it would take for them to replace her, again, they, money's not a problem with this family. Yeah. They can afford well, to immediately find someone else to take Oh, yeah. I mean, part of it's just, uh, even Louise, um, they, it's commented that she actually had horrible fucking behavior towards people and like one maid told her how she even requested clean night shirts and bed sheets from the linen cover for blanche who was incontinent at times only to be refused Ugh. you know and louise said that uh, blanche would only rip them or get them dirty again uh, so yeah. this is the same woman who'd always wear the same dress you know right. and she's like 
fuck it. No, well, yeah, don't give her new shit. furniture and shit like that, yeah. she was constantly costing her money. Yeah. So, I mean, that could have been the other thing, ultimately, was that Marie was just a fucking complete self-centered pig who was all about the fucking Benjamins yeah. and didn't want to spend any of it in what she would see as frivolousness, which would include, like, you know, some basic needs for her mentally disturbed daughter. Yeah, so Blanche's condition ended up kind of uh, degrading around 1899 when Louise entrusted two new housemaids, uh, Juliette Dupois and uh, Eugene Tabois, with Blanche's Fancy. care. <laughs> Once again, they were young, uh, again, unex- inexperienced, and had difficulty getting their patient to obviously cooperate right. with them. Um, Blanche's mother refused to participate in her care. Um, it's unclear whether she even visited her daughter at this point in time. Right. Again, if she was, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that she was visiting fucking yeah. Blanche. Nothing to suggest that at all. Now, Marcel... Uh, it is said, continued to actually, you know, go up and read to Blanche and would visit her and things like that. Now, when he was questioned as to whether her room was, you know, a fucking pigsty or not, his claims, you know, his response was was fairly contradictory. He claimed that it was in an acceptable state while going on. Acceptable. Right. Yeah, it was acceptable. <laughs> I can walk know. through it. <laughs> yeah. Say that uh, he, he, he often told, you know, told his mother she should send Blanche to the hospital, uh, which, again, she denied every time. Uh, he let things continue uh, since he didn't have the force of will. Again, his father was pretty spineless in standing up to uh, Luis. One second, dreadheads. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. The sickness is fucking clearing up, but it's, it's been a doozy. Um, so again, you know, his, Marcel's dad never stood up to Luis. He doesn't have like a strong-willed fucking male figure around, no. so he just followed yeah. right suit He's with it. He's just as spineless as his daddy. Yeah, and he said he also didn't have the legal standing to, you know, to get Blanche out of the house either. Yeah, so Marcel ended up, uh, he was actually found guilty and sentenced to 15 months. Months? Yes, <laughs> in 15 prison. months in prison. And I left some of it out because the, the, the notes were kind of, I couldn't, I found basically some notes from like one source talking about like that a lot of people didn't see like they, they said that marcel seemed to have issues of his own mm. um i mean uh, i mean 53 some odd years old and you're still living at home with mom right and then i saw some reports that like he was married and he actually had a house across the street from Jeez. his childhood home but again i couldn't i couldn't verify that even with more than one source so i didn't put it in the notes but when i was saying earlier about like about his character, everything that was spoken in the in this one like article that I read. Well, not article because this happened so long ago, but you know, someone had, who had done some research and shit like that that I was reading on. Uh, they they brought up that you know he was not highly regarded. He was basically a failure as, of everything as well. Pretty much, well, the mother that had, that was from domineering, the family money. yeah, yeah, exactly. domineering mother like that. Yeah, and, you're yeah, not going to prosper. Indicative of his upbringing for yes, sure. Absolutely. But yeah, no one. From the one time that I saw anything about that, no one really spoke highly of Marcel either. Yeah, so um, he gets sentenced and he immediately appeals the verdict. And his lawyers argue that the as like legal guardian and uh, guardian and owner of the house, right. it was actually his mother's responsibility for Blanche's condition. So you know he he was just like you know I shouldn't be held accountable. I wasn't in charge. Right. And um, you know he was not required under law to even intervene. So, but there was no like good Samaritan law at the time in France, and right. the appeal was successful, and Marcel was freed in November of 1901. Right. And that shit wouldn't hold water today in most countries. Of knowing something was going on and just letting it fucking rot. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. Saying? You're like, you're it, you're actually complicit if you don't say something. Exactly. Now, though, it is still uncertain who actually wrote the anonymous letter uh, to the attorney general. It is assumed 
that it was like one of the new, you know, workers, maids, some of the younger women that Louise had to bring in after Marie Fazy had passed, who after leaving the job actually wrote the anonymous letter alerting the authorities to Blanche's condition. So it's no surprise that after Marcel got out, um, he actually ended up selling the various properties he had inherited from his mother and moved away to the coast, probably right. to get away from all the bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Because even if he even if he got his you know got his way and didn't have to go to prison, you know th- this was a massive story. Yeah. You know it's even you couldn't go you wouldn't want want to walk around town as him. No, everybody people knows already who don't the cast their are. judgment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like yo, that's the motherfucker. Law or right not, there you're a, you're a shit fucking brother, dude. Yeah. 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 Oh, he, you hear he read bedtime stories to his fucking cuckoo fucking caca sister while she slept in her own shit. What a great guy he <laughs> is. Everyone look at the great guy as he fucking eats his baguette and sips his wine. The fucking. <laughs> Schlummy bastard. <laughs> Schlummy. Um, uh, so Blanche actually remained in a psychiatric hospital in Blois. 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 B-L-O-I-S. I don't Again, know that one. French. Who knows? There could be a fucking J sound in there we're not getting. Yeah. So she was there actually the remainder of her, her life. And though she was uh, well cared for, she continued to suffer from the mental illnesses that, you know, she's had her. She had had her entire life. Right. And again, was that really why she was there? Or was that a was that something that she really suffered from prior, or was that something caused by being locked in a goddamn boarded up room in your own feces? For I mean, a quarter she century? may have already, you know, had the yeah, I, I guess the potential already was already showing some telltale signs in her True. younger years, you know, and this was just a great excuse for mom to be like, "Fuck it, yeah. I don't even want this trouble." Yeah. If, if all that's away. true, she was definitely susceptible, yeah, to being this fucking, you know. Batshit crazy. I was about to say, her mom has some inklings of being a little bit batshit crazy herself. Oh, so. yeah, with some of that, with every, what kind of, you got the, 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 I know I'm on the spot, Joe. But, you know, I know. Like, God like, damn, you do it just without even. Well, yeah, from a psych, because you got a bachelor's in psych. So, like, from that standpoint, like, what would that, like, kind of hint at possibly when I, you're that kind of person? Narcissism? <laughs> I mean, she's the first one that came up. Louise definitely thinks she's better than every motherfucker in this. Yeah. And again, I think she looks at people as like, what they take from her. Yeah, she's controlling, what they domineering. Need is, them needing something from her is like them, like they're like a fucking, it's like a parasite host relationship almost. <laughs> um, so obviously, so Blanche has been not locked up or was locked up the remainder of her life, but she was diagnosed with various disorders while she was in the hospital, including the anorexia, nervosa, schizophrenia, exhibitionism, and coprophilia. Right, so um, now, now anorexia nervosa. That's I, just the no eating. So is, is there not a difference difference between because I, I know there's anorexia and i've heard of anorexia nervosa so is there the there's nothing thing. difference no there's it's the same thing they just abbreviate it like you just hear about bulimia and just anorexia not the nervosa part of it but so so anorexia is so, so the long form name yeah it's just a long form. anorexia nervosa yeah okay gotcha gotcha so she had that of course schizophrenia uh, now exhibitionism i know what that is <laughs> And not, oh, do for you re- now? not for no. the <laughs> fucked up reasons you guys would, would assume correctly that I also know why. Uh, I didn't know what it was called. Uh, but when doing research for next week's episode about a fun little couple from Australia, a uh, hint towards that one uh, for episode 49, uh, exhibitionism is when you just kind of go around showing your fucking junk. Your genitals to people. But there's a lot of mental illnesses that that's a characteristic of. Even fucking dementia and fucking Alzheimer's have that in later well, stages. But, well, I think exhibitionism is, it's not so much like walking around naked. 
as it is like, hey, no, flashing. What am I I'm talking you know, about like, that. No, no, no. You, if, oh, being, so, oh, so, yeah. Oh. When I have done work in in the nursing home before, there was a patient there that that was part of their dementia. They love walking past you and just going boop and oh, just fucking just fucking, mooning you. That's awful to fucking think yeah. about. And then finally, uh, coprophilia, the most dreadful of all these, in my opinion. If you don't know what that is, dreadheads. That is she shit eating. I was about to say sheeting. <laughs> Again, thanks to I thought you were about to, they're just gonna do like shitty walk. Like I thought oh, you were about yeah. to say like sheet eating. Eat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's shit eating. Now, uh, speaking of shit eating, Marcel died in nineteen thirteen, and oddly enough, ironically enough, or what have you, that's also the same year that Blanche passed. So, John, what what do you think? What do you think is the truth? Do you think Blanche was Uh, locked away in a room for the mental illness or for her actually daring to marry a man her mom didn't approve of? I don't know. I mean, did did the family really take good care of her up until the final, you know, five years like they had talked about once Marie Fazy died? I mean, I know that's still giving the family more credit, but they were paying for Marie Fazy to at least be, you know, Blanche's, you know, friend, caregiver and all of that other stuff. you know, or was she kept in those conditions the entire time and no one said anything? I mean, that's where it gets fucking tricky because, I mean, this was a big story at the time. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there was, you know, it was the headline news and shit like that. But again, you're still, there's a lot of people who were basically talking during the trial that were, you know, former employers and things of that nature. And at the same time, it's one of those things that we're never going to really know because Marie Fazy died. Yeah. You know, and she she was responsible well, for the first 20 years out of the 25 year ordeal. So, I mean, f- for all we know, genuinely all the all the rotten shit said about Blanche's family could be something that was kind of fucking talked about after all this shit came out. And so, you know how people fucking yeah. talk. There's this fucked up girl that's locked up for 25 years. You know, and if it really, if the anonymous letter really did come from one of those new caregivers that were brought in who had no idea of the history of all of it and shit like that. And they're just walking in within that last right. five years. Like, yeah, no, yeah, it's so, the I mean, worst it, part. Yeah, you're, we're never really going to fucking no. know. I mean, you know, history, you know, that's why the word history know. is not I... what it is. It's his story. It's a story. It's, you know, so if, if, if the main thought about town after all this came out was that the, that the, that the uh, Moniers were complete assholes and terrible people to their daughter. A lot of the shit they talked about, Louise, you know, well, well, I heard that she wore the same dress every day. You know how people fucking yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, you're not going to really fucking know. No, no. I theorized, though, that, you know, um, Louise was a very distanced mother, um, probably didn't care for being a mother. I mean, that pervades um, all the way through everything yeah. from multiple people. I, I would definitely say if there's one person we can at least pretty much say – is it's certainly not a fucking good person, no matter how to the extreme it may have been one way or the other. It was fucking Louise. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it shows in the relationship that she had even on uh, with Marcel up until you know up until her death of the being able to still control and keep him from saying something, right. even though he's supposedly petitioning his mother. At some point in time, when it gets so bad, he, he should have had the thought as like maybe I should do something more than what I have been. Right. Well, so it goes to show you, okay, that Louise was definitely she was she was the balls of the fucking unit. Right. And if she put that kind of fear in her own family, I mean, who knows? what kind of fear she put in these workers yeah people who didn't even maybe work for her anymore and again by the time marcel went to trial louise was dead 
Yeah. So it's not like she was going to be able to fucking do anything to these yeah. people. But again, like, I mean, if she had well, the, if she wielded that kind of fucking fear I, I from people. I think part of Luis's thing was like, and, it's, and it was with a lot of families during that era, especially when it comes to mental illness, is that it was better and easier for the family to lock her away. And from right. Luis's standpoint, she already doesn't want to deal with this bullshit. She wants to have her locked away. She's going to throw money at it so she doesn't have to deal with it. Which her she hus- hates to do, yes. according to all reports. Yeah. She hates throwing money at any. Anything. Yeah, so there's a point of resentment there, an additional yep. layer of resentment. On top of that, 14 years prior, you know, to Louise or uh, Blanche being found, um, her husband kicks the bucket. Right. So now there's one less person to share the responsibility with. Then Marie Fazy dies within that last five years that that Blanche is being, you know, technically in prison. Yep. Of course, she's going to have this sudden decline. Her mom's not equipped to be a mom. Her mom's not equipped to deal with this mental illness, nor is it by society standards anticipated for her to do anything about it. And that's why she had such a decline in that last five years is because she's like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And then her brother is not kicking into it because he's under, you know, he's under his mom's fucking thumb at that point. Right. And he's like, okay, fuck it. You know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and just do what mom tells me to do because I want that money when she dies. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, again, so Louise was, so all right, the year the letter went was 1901, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, all right, so May of 1901. Now, Louise was born in 1825. Um, I don't think, yeah, we don't have the exact like month or anything so like 75, that. 75, 76 75, years 76 old. years old. And again, we're talking about, you know, in back them times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, who knows, you know, that last that five would years. would be a if, lot if, for if a care, Fa- yeah, if caregiver Fazy, even. So younger. She was, we said she was 75, 76. So that means at the time Marie of Marie's Fazy's death, uh, Louise was already 70 or 71. Yeah. So maybe she didn't have the capability to do any of that stuff. Again, yeah. it's it's... That's why I wanted to talk about it because it's not a normal thing. You know, we normally like to talk about serial killers and shit like that, you know, some fucked up, which is just fucked up. But what's even more like interesting about it is like how little, when you really think about it, when you don't take it at, you know, what history tells us. Because we all know that history's never wrong, right? Everybody (laughs) say it with me, dreadheads. History is never wrong. But just for once, if it was. Hypothetically, allegedly speaking, <laughs> you know, for all the lawyers out there, yeah. you know, it, 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 this thing has got a lot of fucking layers to it. Yeah, it does. And it's really kind of fucking, not, you know, it's fucked up that this happened to it. But again, uh, what happened to real certifiably mentally fucked up people back then was fucking heinous by today's standards. Yeah. But that was, the, and that was the style at the time. And, and caregiving for, for somebody who has like, you know, a, a mental deterioration, whatever kind it is, difficult. it's very fucking difficult because you have a resentment towards a, fil- a person and then you feel guilty for having that resentment. But you love that person enough to continue trying to do it like that. That's a fucking well, horrible. You've worked, in, you've worked in some like boys homes and stuff like that. I say yeah. boys, but like men's homes yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Where you know, where they're, they're, they're some fuck, of my some best of them, times. <laughs> yeah, some of them are fucking like you know, they're fucking off. They're you know, gone. The, the cheese is off the fucking cracker. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so then again, think about like the guilt of the family if they genuinely cannot take care of them, if they genuinely cannot handle it. Even if you have all the money in the world, if you've got someone that's physically violent, yeah, things like that, and you have other people in the house that could be hurt by it, yeah, that's a huge decision. Even now, if you're putting them in the best place, yeah. you're still yeah, locking yeah, a, you're agree. still locking a human away that's got your fucking DNA. Mm-hmm. So we we can fucking talk about yeah, this shit could. for fucking hours. <laughs> but that wraps up episode forty eight. 
uh, about Blanche Monier. I, how did you enjoy talking about it? I, really I enjoyed did. researching I knew this, it. I, yeah, but I, said, I knew the stories on a very superficial level. Um, but yeah, no, kind of picking it apart a little bit more. Like I genuinely enjoyed this one. Right. And I mean, again, this is this is a, a fairly to- a popular for people who know about these kinds of things. So, I mean, if you're more interested in more, you know, check out your local library. Or, <laughs> you know, whatever PBS used to fucking tell us God back damn. in the day. But there's tons of fucking info out there. Read up for it for yourselves. Let us know in the comments. What do you think? Do you think that, you know, all the Moniers were fucking assholes and just locked this girl up because she was going to marry somebody that their overbearing matriarch didn't fucking like? Or was Blanche legitimately shithouse fucking crazy and they were kind of trying to do the best they could with what they had and the knowledge of the times? That's an open discussion that everybody should be willing to fucking have. But Joe... Let's wrap it up again. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, episode 48. Don't forget that coming up this Friday, we are going to be talking about Nutcracker Massacre, the brand new <laughs> Christmas-themed horror mu- movie that you can check out on Tubi. Uh, that's going to be the Fright Flick Fuck, Mary Kill that comes up uh, this fifth. Uh, yeah, the fifth is Friday. Wow. Yes, yes. No, no, no. God damn it, I'm wrong. This, today's the sixth. I was going to say, like, you're throwing my yeah, days off here. we're recording this on the sixth. You're listening to this on the seventh, so it's going to be the ninth. There, there we go. go. The ninth. This upcoming Friday <laughs> there, will be the new Friday. There Flight he does, Kill. Make sure you check out episode 47, where we cover Javed Iqbal, the 100 Boys Killer, and listen to Joe's brain break when <laughs> I fucking ask if bones are just the teeth of our body and you gotta listen to the episode to find out why i asked such a stupid retarded question <laughs> but it made sense at the time dreadheads um yeah one more time joe what's the most dreadful website on the entire internet spread the yes make sure you go check it out follow all of our social media you can find all the different podcast platforms that you can listen to us on buy some merch donate don't i don't know do whatever you want to uh and then of course make sure that you follow us you know like subscribe comment and share on YouTube and BitChute. That's where you can watch the video versions of Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill on there. And again, if we could ask one of the biggest things for you to do, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure to uh, follow us or subscribe to us on there for one and leave a five-star review. Once you do that, screenshot that bad boy, send it over to us on IG, Facebook, or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com along with your mailing address. And we will send you out some free five-star super spreader, spread the dread podcast stickers. Joe, does that cover it? Yes, it does. All right, you fine-ass motherfuckers and motherfuckettes and either or, neither nor is out there in dreadland. Thank you one more time. And we're going to wrap like we always do by saying, I'm John. And I'm Joe. And look, we all know this world is dreadful. So you make sure that you leave the dread to us. Stay positive. Stay proud. Stay powerful, and no matter if it's morning, noon, or night, whatever you're doing or about to do, get out there and wreck that shit. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?